As we open up God's Word this morning to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 5, uh, at this time any elementary kids are welcome to gather out in the foyer for the beginning of a children's worship time, but uh, all who are here, right here, let's open up the scriptures to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue uh, trekking through Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, and uh, as we've just sung, what a, what a good posture uh, to come before the scriptures together with arms wide open. Arms wide open. We, we come before the Lord. We want to hear from uh, the Lord. And so let's invite the Lord to speak to us uh, through his word. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Let's hear the word of, of Jesus Christ. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. We uh, come to verse 27 today, looking at verses 27 through 30. And if you're using a pew Bible, you can find this text on page 700. And 86, 786, and as you find your place there in the Bible, we invite all who are able, would you join me standing for the reading of our Lord's words. Let's hear the words of, of Jesus Christ. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow before you this morning. We are hungry to hear from you, Lord. We, we've gathered because we want to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us now. Guide us now. Instruct us now. According to your word, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, for the glory of your name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, once again, uh, the words of Christ shock his listeners. Jesus is pretty good at that. Like to hear these words and not be jolted is not to hear them. Or it's to hear them, but to only hear them and not to really believe them. But the eternal and authoritative Son of God came to be heard and believed even when His words are hard. And they are. Because Jesus comes confronting sin and challenging culture. As the Savior of sinners, He comes to rescue sinners. And as the Lord, He comes calling the rescued to live lives that declare that they've been rescued, to testify to the world that they are His people who've been saved by His grace. In other words, Jesus continues describing the kind of life here that marks citizens of his kingdom. A salt and light kind of life. Distinct and noticeable in the world. Slowing the world's moral decay and spreading God's truth and God's grace. As his people, Jesus calls us to be, to be different. And in today's text, Jesus calls kingdom citizens to live distinct lives of moral purity. 
He calls his citizens, citizens of his kingdom. He's preaching about, he's teaching about uh, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He, He comes and he calls his people, those who are his, he calls his disciples to live distinct lives of moral purity. Distinct, maybe too soft. Because I'm not sure there's a place where Christ's kingdom ethic contrasts more sharply with the mantra of the day than in the realm of purity. Like if we're faithful in this arena, church, we we will stand out in a sex-obsessed culture that fans the flame of perversion constantly. Church pornography exists to fan the flame of sexual perversion. To consume the imagination, to push boundaries, to warp minds and to wreck families. And it's everywhere. Never before in the history of the world has a Has it been more easily accessible, uh, more supposedly anonymous, and culturally acceptable? Statistics show that one-third of Americans seek out porn at least once per month. I know we we don't come to church, we don't gather, we we don't want to hear about this subject. We don't want to hear about these things. But church, we, we need to hear about these things in light of the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. One third of Americans seek it out at least once per month. And of that number, the vast majority now believe there's nothing wrong with it. Commenting on a recent comprehensive study, the Barna Group says porn is now a standard feature of everyday life seen by most teens and young adults as less morally offensive than failing to recycle. You've heard that it was said in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Friends, God's standard for purity has always and still remains chastity before marriage and fidelity afterward. And if we're going to have any hope of sifting through the the morally confused landscape of our day in this arena, in the arena of purity, we need a biblical foundation for God's perspective on marriage. And friends, God is for marriage. He's for marriage. He designed it and established it and he calls his people to uphold it. You shall not commit adultery affirms the sanctity of marriage. The negative prohibition is also a positive declaration concerning God's good design and proper place for sexual relations. Why, why is adultery so offensive? Why is adultery such a big deal? Because marriage is a big deal. It's part of God's good design for humanity. Meant to display God's glory and teach us His character. When asked about marriage, Jesus would say, Matthew chapter 19, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? 
and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Sacred covenant between two People displaying the beauty of unity and love and sacrifice within the safety of a lifelong commitment between husband and wife. One that reflects the character of our creator and his faithful commitment to his people. A long time ago, there was a, a young single man who understood this well. A young single man uh, who found himself in a difficult circumstance in a foreign place who had been entrusted with much. We read his story in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 39. Uh, Joseph understood the sanctity of marriage. And so when Potiphar's wife came on to him again and again, he ran the other way. Listen to what he said. Joseph said, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You see, adultery is a big deal because marriage is a big deal. And adultery doesn't just all of the sudden happen out of thin air. No, like murder, it begins in the heart. Jesus says a lustful attitude is adultery of the heart. A lustful attitude is adultery of the heart. I I don't think Jesus is saying lust is the same as physical adultery. All sins aren't equal. All of us are sinners and all sin certainly earns God's judgment. Sin is the great great equalizer, but all sins are not, not equal. But here comes... Jesus saying that when it comes to immorality, sin begins in the inner man or the inner woman far before any outward act ever materializes. Jesus would say as much in chapter 15 of Matthew's gospel, for out of the heart, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person. In other words, sin comes from within. Wicked hearts give rise to evil thoughts. Don Carson comments on this, and he says, Imagination is a God-given gift. But if it is fed dirt by the eye, it will be dirty. All sin, not least sexual sin, begins with the imagination. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in Jesus' day, they don't care about the imagination, just outward obedience. They justified sin so long as you weren't found guilty of it. But Jesus comes along and says it's not just about the externals. It's not just about external righteousness, but it's about internal righteousness. Jesus says lusting is sinning, for lust is the desire For what God has forbidden. Lust is the desire for what God has has forbidden. Scholars point out here there's a difference between a look and a lust. 
God gave us a natural admiration for, for beauty that's natural, that's good, that's God-honoring. But when a look becomes a lingering look used to fuel an immoral imagination, it's lust. Lust is the desire for what God has forbidden. And secondly, lust is dissatisfaction with God and his provision. It's dissatisfaction with God. Dissatisfaction with God and his provision. When it comes to, to lust, there are no innocent looks. There are no secret sins. God knows. God sees. And our sin says to him, God, I'm, I'm not sure you know best here. I think you're holding out on me. And friends, such is a lie from our sinful hearts. It's a lie stirred on by the devil himself. God is good. He's good. And his plans for us are good. He's not holding out on us, but inviting us to trust him and to obey him. And in the realm of purity, he's calling us to trust him. He's calling us to to love and pursue him. He's calling us to give our hearts to him. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who love the Lord supremely, for they're going to see God. Not because they've earned a righteousness, but because, because the Lord has given them righteousness in Jesus Christ and invited them into relationship with Him, and they long for Him. This is good news. It's news of, of hope. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Speaking of, of seeing, it's... The time of year, again, when leaves are, are falling and outside, we, we're going to see through the trees pretty soon, already are in places, in ways that we, we've not for a number of, of months now. But all those falling leaves don't just all of a sudden disappear uh, between the tree branch and the ground. Uh, for some of us, we say it'd be nice if they did, but they don't. They sort of collect on the ground, and before long, we'll, be, we'll begin uh, making plans, probably some plans or another. Most of us will attempt to address them in one way or another as they gather on the ground. I've got a neighbor right now, maybe you got one too, that it's like uh, as soon as a leaf falls to the ground, it's gone. Yard is immaculate like 365 days a year all the time. Uh, if you don't have a neighbor like that, maybe it's you. Maybe you're that person. And we've all heard the expression, right, keeping up with the Joneses on our street. It's not keeping up with the Joneses. It's the Joneses are failing to keep up with the neighbors, right? We, we know what that's like. And so the other day I, I go out, there's a few leaves on the ground on the driveway, and I get out my blower, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean this off just a bit. And my five-year-old Eli, who, I kid you not, uh, got a blower for his birthday recently because he loves to help out with these things. And so he got a real battery-operated little blower. And so I, said, I talk him into coming out and help me blow off the drive. And he comes out, and I let him blow for a little bit. And a few minutes later, he, he says, Daddy, I'm done. And I turn around and I look. And uh, you ever been to like a corn maze? And there's like these rows of mowed corn stalks and everything else is there. That's what it looked like, right? There, there's some openings amidst everything. It's just sort of blowing it around. Sometimes we we do that with things in our lives. And we, we know that those leaves are going to come back. They're not going to stay where they are. And I was reading something the other day. The best way, the best thing to do with leaves is really not to, to get rid of them, but to, to mulch them up in your yard. Like leave them, fertilize and grow the yard, mulch them up. Attack them in that way. And you know, some things, like leaves in the yard, require drastic measures. Uh, Some things are best 
dealt with by taking radical steps. And Jesus clearly says right here that sexual sin is one of those. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that radical action, radical action to avoid sin is fitting and necessary. Radical action to avoid sin is fitting and necessary. Most most take Jesus' words here as hyperbole. It's not really calling us to gouge our eyes out or cut off our hands. Not intended to be taken literally, but to imply that whatever sacrifice, whatever sacrifice necessary to pursue purity is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it for any temporary sacrifice pales in Comparison to an eternal hell for those who choose sin over the Savior. And once again, Jesus is not teaching a works-based salvation. He's not teaching that we gain or earn our way into heaven by being morally pure on our own, but saying those who ignore divine warnings and remained hardened to the gospel of grace reveal the true nature of their hearts, suggesting they're not kingdom citizens, but on a path that eventually leads to hell. See, Jesus is not he's not promising a life without sin. That's not his promise here. He's not promising a life without sin and the temptation to sin, but Jesus comes offering freedom from sin and its eternal consequences for all who come to him. Now, some have taken Jesus' words here a bit more literally. Like one noteworthy example is one of the early church fathers, a guy by the name of Origen. You may have heard of him, a church father in the area of Egypt in the late 2nd century into the 3rd century. And uh, he read Jesus' words here and responded by rolling naked over sharp briars in order to curb his propensity to lust. And when he found that that did not work, he found that method ineffective at taming his desires, by the way, uh, he uh, quite literally chose to lose a part of his body, castrating himself. He later regretted this. I dare say he probably regretted it in the moment as well, uh, believing that he had misunderstood the Lord's message. And I think the later origin was right. For such self-mortification doesn't address the deeper need of heart transformation. The real culprit behind sexual sin isn't the right eye or the right hand, but a wrong heart. And only Christ can change our hearts. But praise God, Christ changes hearts. Praise the Lord, he gives new hearts. He specializes in this. He longs to do this, and he's still doing it. He changes hearts. He can change our hearts. But even though this is his work, even though this is ultimately God's work, part of giving our hearts to him includes willfully taking radical action for him. 
Submitting to him. So what does this mean? What does it mean to take radical action? What does it mean to begin to apply a text like this to our lives as followers of Jesus? What does it mean in the realm of moral purity? Well, let me give you just a few a few beginning points. Beginning points of application. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are certainly necessary things for us to do. If we're to be faithful with what Jesus says right here. Number one, don't feed the flesh. Don't feed the flesh. One writer, the name of Courtney Razig, writes, she says, porn is as ubiquitous in our world as high fructose corn syrup. It's everywhere, in everything, and subtly and not so subtly wreaking havoc on all who come in contact with it. From watching it on our screens to texting it on our phones to seeing it on the magazines at the checkout stand, it's everywhere. Soft porn to hard porn, amateur to professional. We are all in some way pornographers now. She continues, until we stop viewing porn... As an outside of our circle issue, we will not have the guts or the discernment to face it head on. We are all pornographers because we have all participated in some part of this pro-porn culture. Actually, fighting pornography will require us to admit this reality, repent of our complicity, and finally call porn use what it is. Lust. Friends, we must repent and run from pornography in every form. It is wicked, it is evil, and if left unaddressed, it will destroy your soul. But praise God, church. Praise God, there's an antidote to porn. There's an antidote to to this issue. And it's not do better. It's not try harder. It's not feel worse about yourself. It's not beat yourself up. It's not, come on, get it together, man. No, it is run to Jesus Christ. It is run to the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 13, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes to the church. He writes to believers. He writes to those who have faith in Christ. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, as citizens of Christ's kingdom, we're not simply to put away sin, but we're to put on Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Commune with the one who truly satisfies so that our minds begin to be shaped by his goodness and his love rather than cheap idols of momentary pleasure. So believer, remember the price Jesus paid to deliver you. Remember the price that the Lord Jesus himself paid to, to deliver you, to purchase you, to redeem you, to save you, so that you and I could be fully forgiven of our sins, past, present, future, reconciled to God, right with God, now and forever, adopted into his family by the grace of Almighty God. Friends, this is why it's so important that we fill our minds with the word of truth. This is why it's so very important that we read the Bible 
and that we listen to the Bible again and again and again. This is why it's so important that we gather like this as the church. For if we neglect to hear from the Lord, if we neglect to hear from Him, we will forget the goodness of the Lord. We must think upon Christ to remember the Son of God who gave Himself for us. The Bible says, who gave Himself for us to redeem us. To purchase us, to secure us, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Friends, Jesus died to deliver us from sin. He died to rescue us from the stronghold of sin and only Jesus can make us eager to do what is good. Jesus, make us eager to do what is good. Jesus, transform our hearts and call us to know and to follow you and to rest in your love. Oh, may we remember the price Jesus paid to redeem us. Don't feed the flesh. Remember the price Jesus paid to deliver you. And finally, church, submit to God's spirit residing in you. Submit to the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of the eternal God, who the Bible says is residing in you, believer, living in you, dwelling in you, transforming you. Oh, friend, if you've given your heart to Christ, if you've turned to faith in Him, if you've confessed your sin and trusted in Christ as your Savior, then the Spirit of God lives in you. This is what the Word says. And greater is He that is in you. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, Jesus calls kingdom citizens to live distinct lives of moral purity. But you can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. We can't do it alone, nor were we meant to. The spirit of the living God is dwelling in you. Listen to what one uh, Christian counselor says about this particular issue. He says, what do you do when you see the scope of the battle you're fighting? And this is a battle. What do you do when you see the scope of the battle you are fighting? You go to God. You go to God. These four words, so simple to say and so hard to do, are at the center of how you fight against sin. You run to God. You run to the Father. So arms are wide open, calling sinners to run home to him, to rest in his love and his forgiveness and his unchanging and amazing grace. You run home to the Savior of sinners. You run to the Lord. So we think about this particular issue and The challenge of it in our day and certainly in every day, maybe particularly in our day and how we as believers want to be faithful to Christ. What does it mean for us? So some of us may need to confess sins to a spouse today. God is for marriage. He's for intimacy and unity and love and harmony and joy within Marriage as a picture of his faithfulness to his bride, to his church, to his people. Some of us may need to confess sins to a spouse. Some of us may need to acknowledge our own struggles and failures to a Christian mentor or a mature friend who could 
help hold us accountable. Some of us need to invest, no doubt, more intentionally and sacrificially in our marriages, cultivating the kind of beautiful union God intends. Some of us may need to install safe software. Probably many of us need to install safe software, and there's some excellent ones out there. One would be Covenant Eyes, great resource. Some of us probably need to talk to a pastor or a Christian counselor for such steps are fitting and necessary for believers longing to honor the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus who died to save you and to save me. And so church, I want you to know that myself, our, our ministerial staff, certainly stand with you. We stand together in an issue like the battle with immorality and impurity in our day and are available to you in whatever way we need to be and certainly will not hesitate. Point one another in the direction of accountability and of professional Christian counseling. For so many of us need that very thing. Let's, let's not keep sin in the dark. Let's own it before God. Let's confess it to God. Let's seek help. For this is an area that many of us, many of us, if we're honest, need, need help. We need help. Friends, let's aim to honor Jesus. Let's aim to honor him. Why? Because Jesus is always faithful to us. Because we serve a God who is faithful. Because we serve a God who is never unfaithful to us because we serve a God who is committed to us we see an example of God's faithfulness his commitment his compassion his unfailing love in Psalm 51 one of his servants David confesses his sin in the area of adultery before God and what does he appeal to he says have mercy on me O God according to your unfailing love. Friends, there is hope, there is healing, there is restoration, and there is forgiveness because of God, a God who is worthy of praise. And so we say and we sing, praise the Lord. We call one another, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. Why? For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Father, we desire to praise you even today, even now, always, especially now, Lord, as we have heard from your word, Lord, as you have spoken to us, Jesus, as you have spoken to us so clearly, confronting us in our sin, but also coming to us in mercy as the Savior of sinners as the giver of life, as the sustainer of life, as the redeemer of life, as the one who changes lives. Father, we bow ourselves to you this morning. We submit ourselves to you. God, we want to honor you. God, we want to know you. God, we want to serve you. God, we want to follow after you. We want to exalt you, not only with our lips as we come together, but with our lives. Lord, with all of us, we want to worship you. And so where we are failing, oh God, where we are failing in the area of immorality and impurity, God, convict us. Spirit, convict us. 
and forgive us. Lord, lead us to, to run to you, to go to you again and again and again, knowing that you are faithful, Lord, that you are faithful and just and that you will forgive us, Lord, that you will forgive us and that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, God, cleanse us of unrighteousness today and lead us to rejoice in Jesus, the righteous one who purchased our salvation. Lord, lead us now, even now, to respond to Christ. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.